You know how sometimes you get so wrapped up in an issue, some kind of disagreement with your spouse, that you really feel like you cannot see the forest for the trees? It's as if you no longer remember why you were arguing. You're just arguing about the arguing now. Well, today, we're going to help you take a step back so you can see the forest again and figure out why you keep misinterpreting your spouse. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a light bulb moment episode for you this week. At least I'm hoping it's going to create a light bulb moment for you. <laughs> this is episode number 162, and today we're going to be talking about why you keep misinterpreting your spouse and what to do about that. But before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed military marriages. So check that one out. Even if you're not in the military, it'll give you greater appreciation for what our country's service members go through for us. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows. And remember, if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope, even for those moments when you feel like you're never going to figure this out. Yep. Okay, let's get into the topic of why we so easily misinterpret each other in marriages. Okay, why do we so easily misinterpret each other in marriages? Well, the big thing here is the fundamental attribution error. And this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Yes, it is which makes me a geek, but (laughs) don't be thrown off by the large phrase, people. Fundamental attribution error. This is something that we all do. When I attribute your actions, Verlinda, to a flaw in your character, rather than an environmental factor, then I commit the fundamental attribution error. Okay. And I'll give some examples in a moment. Where this really gets awesome is when I attribute your actions to a flaw in your character but I attribute my actions to environmental factors. So for example, let's say you, you and I are both out working at our, let's say we both have jobs out of the house. Mm-hmm. I get home late, you get home really late. Mm-hmm. I'm upset because you're usually home before me and I had to make supper and do a bunch of extra stuff. You sound now, like you're getting mad already. Um, really, I am. <laughs> Here's how the fundamental attribution error plays out. I think to myself, she's never home on time. She is so disorganized. Okay. So that's a flaw in your character. Yeah. You ask me why I was late. I tell you, well, traffic was really bad. (laughs) It's just circumstances, right? So we could be in the same situation, but you have a character flaw. Whereas for me, I was just caught in some circumstances that were outside my control. Mm. Let's say a couple gets into conflict. They both say a few mean, unkind things to each other. Maybe some name calling. She thinks he has an anger problem. That's attribution to character. Mm -hmm. But while she feels bad about her own behavior, she thinks to herself, if he wasn't such a jerk still attribution to character, I wouldn't have to talk like that to get through to him. She's attributing her behavior to circumstances outside of her control. Okay. Now, I'm not defending abusive men here, but you get the picture, right? This happens both in healthy marriages and in conflictual, non-abusive marriages. This is not an abuse thing. This is something that we all do, people. Okay? So it's Uh not those Uh people out there that are the problem. It's all of us that are the problem here. Uh Uh-huh. So... Why do we do this? We do this because it's easier to make judgments based on personality rather than taking into account all the possible situational variables. 
Okay. Personal characteristics, they're easier to identify. You don't have to think as hard. Oh, it's just because you're like that. I don't have to think about what might have been going on that led you to act like that. Oh, okay, okay. So th- these characteristics about a person, they help us to understand them and make sense of their behavior. And usually characteristics are more stable in a person, meaning they don't change. So it's easier and it's faster to make snap judgments based on what I think your nature is like than it is to look for other explanations. Okay. Having these concrete judgments in place about your character makes your character, your behavior seem more predictable. So your brain just kind of works like this. Yeah. Because it's easier. I think it's easier too in that it's easier to attribute your behavior to your problem than maybe something I'm doing. Or how you might have contributed, yeah. Yeah, like I don't want to think about that. I just want it to be all your fault. Yes. Yes, I'm well aware of that. Oh, come on. Attribute in yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Nice try. Yeah. See, I'm a therapist, so only other people commit the fundamental attribution error. Oh, that I don't believe. That is a pile of... um, Hogwash. Hogwash. Yeah, that's good. We're trying to keep this episode without the explicit rating. Okay, so let's talk about attribution some more then. Okay. Because attributions, when you're doing this, you're misinterpreting your spouse. This is why you keep misinterpreting your spouse. Okay. Okay. So we need to know how it's governed in marriage and the fact that it's governed by how happy your marriage is. So you will interpret events and actions according to your existing beliefs about your spouse and your marriage. If your spouse acts in a way that does not fit with your perception of the marriage, you will discount or explain away the action. So okay. if we have a happy marriage and I do something unpleasant, yeah, uh, bark at you or whatever, if, if you feel that marriage is happy, you'll discount that behavior based on the fact that things are usually good. There must be some circumstances going on for him. So this final attribution error <clears throat> goes both ways. It can go both ways. Yeah. And we're going to see that. Is that what you're saying here? Yeah. Okay. We'll unpack this some more, right? Okay. Now, I just want to take a quick sidebar here. This is how a perfectly intelligent spouse who believes that she is married to a committed husband can explain away evidence to the contrary, contrary to what she perceives as commitment. Oh, okay. And then be completely flabbergasted months or years later when she discovers his infidelity. Okay. And I'm not sharing this so that we all go on a witch hunt, but for those of you who have found yourselves in this situation, I just want you to know that you're not stupid or blind or anything like that. You're just a normal spouse. This is what we all do. It's not your fault because it's not wrong to presume upon the trustworthiness of your spouse. Right. So folks will often look back and in hindsight will say, I can see now. I see see what was. Yes. But they wrote them off at the time because the marriage was seen to be going well. Right. Often. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, so that's a sidebar for how this plays into infidelity. But just back to kind of normal life, right? Or the more day-to-day things that happen. Okay. A couple of researchers looked at 23 previous studies of attributions in couples, and they found that if marital satisfaction was high, people would attribute their spouse's previous actions to stable personality factors. For example, he brought me flowers because he cares about me and is a nice person. That's an attribution to character, but it's a positive one. Yeah. Like you were saying, Verlinda. By the same token, in a happy marriage, they would attribute negative actions to external factors. They would view them as unintentional or see them as isolated incidents that don't reflect the spouse's true personality. For example, he only said that because he's had a tough day at work and he didn't really mean it. Right. Okay. This is a positive marriage. On the other hand, if marital satisfaction was low, people would assign their spouse's negative behaviors to enduring characteristics in line with the fundamental attribution error. And the spouse would then see negative acts as being intentional, 
motivated by negative emotions and as being stable, like this is what he always does, Mm -hmm. being stable across all situations rather than specific or isolated. So see how this all kind of switched around? Yeah. So using the same examples, it's going to be like, he said that because he wanted to upset me and because he is a spiteful person. Okay. Rather than he said that because he had a tough day at work and he didn't really mean it. Right, right. Yeah. These spouses in dissatisfying marriages would also interpret a positive action in a more negative light, seeing them as less deliberate, as more isolated, and more likely to be motivated by selfishness. For example, he only gave me flowers because he wants to have sex later, instead of he brought me flowers because he cares about me and is a nice person. Okay, okay. You jerk, you brought me flowers. (laughs) Right. So as you can see, the attributions affect satisfaction within the marriage and behavior within the marriage. Mm -hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How does it affect behavior in the marriage? Well, how are you going to respond if I just brought you flowers because I wanted to have sex later? Oh, I see. That's going to affect your behavior. Right. So let's unpack both of those a little bit more, okay? Okay. So satisfaction, attributions influence your marriage satisfaction. Okay. What is important to know is that this is not just a bad habit or a little concern that you should figure out sometime, but the negative attributions themselves actually cause low marital satisfaction over time. So if you're seeing things in this negative light, it's going to take things downhill. Yeah. Low marital satisfaction leads to negative attribution, but that negative attribution over time also causes low marital satisfaction. So you're just in this downward spiral. Yes. Now, thankfully, the opposite is also true. High marital satisfaction leads to positive attributions and putting less emphasis on negative events, which further enhances marital satisfaction. Mm, So now we're in an upward spiral. Yes. Now, the attribution and behavior part for Linda. Okay. Attributions also influence behavior, as we said. Again, the same researchers, they assessed couples for levels of marital satisfaction and then asked them how much they attributed problems in their marriage to each other. And then they asked the couples to discuss a problematic issue in the marriage. They found that maladaptive attributions, so these are maladaptive attributions are when you think things are all your spouse's fault and that those problems are indicative of your spouse's character. He's messed up, right? Okay. Maladaptive attributions were linked to both spouses using less effective problem solving. It's like, we're not going to bother to try to solve this. Oh, because it's just your fault. Because you're, you're screwed up. It led oh. to higher rates of anger and negative behavior because mm-hmm. you're screwed up. I'm just frustrated and I'm going to rip off on you anyways. Mm-hmm. And higher levels of reciprocal negative behavior. So it was, it like prompted the behavior back, which reinforces my belief about what a jerk you are. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. And this is just so amazing and so sad at the same time because now we're gone from something we think in our head to something that we're actually doing and reinforcing in our marriage in a destructive way. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important to get this whole attribution thing pointed in the right direction. Yeah. I think this would be so easy if, like, if your spouse has done something to hurt you. Yeah. To then interpret everything after that in that light. And through that lens. Through that lens. Yes. Rather than, you know, okay, yes. Yeah. He hurt me. This is. Or she hurt me. Yeah. And I've dealt with that. We've acknowledged that. It doesn't mean she's a terrible person. It's coming from a genuine place. Huh. Yes. Okay. So once again, we've created a bonus guide for our much appreciated supporters called Practicing Positive Interpretations. Hmm. And while you're learning what to do on this show, this guide will really show you how to do it, how to break out of that negative cycle and actually shift your thinking so you can shift the direction your marriage is going. And it's really on this positive interpretations piece. Mm-hmm. And you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll just take a quick 60 second break to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? 
Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about how our attributions affect our marriage satisfaction and even our own behavior in the marriage and even begin to predict our spouse's behavior too. Mm-hmm. Make sure you download the bonus guide for the show. If you need help working through that as a couple because you've been doing this a long time, reach out to me via our website. If you're new to the show, I am a marriage and family therapist, a registered clinical counselor. I can help you. And I'd love to do some marriage counseling with you and help you get this turned around and pointed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Now, how can we help folks overcome these attribution biases, Verlinda? You tell me, Caleb. Okay, first one. Assign attributions more consciously. So you can outsmart your own brain with this one. Remember that the fundamental attribution error and these attribution biases are actually just like mental shortcuts that your mind uses to make quick evaluations. That's the snap judgments we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Quick evaluations based on limited information. It's your brain trying to quickly categorize what you're seeing into the nearest bucket. Mm -hmm, Because it's the easiest thing. Yes. Yeah. But you can choose to carefully think through actions and the possible reasons behind them instead in order to bypass or overcome these reflexive biases. That's good. So stop and give proper consideration whether your spouse's actions can be explained by situational or environmental factors rather than by attributions that can help you avoid the error and give you enough space to objectively evaluate their actions. Hmm. That's one thing you can do. Another thing you can do is to start the a positive cycle. So remember that cycle piece, right? Negative attributions lead to lower marital satisfaction, which leads to more negative attributions. Now, Mm -hmm. this means that if you choose to increase your marital satisfaction through some other route, for example, learning better communication skills, more intimacy, better sex, better shared leisure, then that increased satisfaction will make you more likely to make positive attributions of your spouse's actions. And this in turn will further increase marital satisfaction. Ah. So find a different entry point to start that positive cycle. What can you do in your marriage to point it in a better direction? Yeah. Conflict and expectations come into this. So negative attributions lead to poor conflict resolution, like we talked about. You're just not going to bother using your problem-solving skills because the person you're dealing with is an idiot. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So negative attributions leads to that kind of thinking. That behavior escalates conflict rather than solving it. This then reduces marital satisfaction. Now, here's an interesting point. The link between attributions and marital satisfaction is mediated by something called efficacy expectations. Okay. And what are those? Those are your own beliefs in your own ability to solve the conflict. It's how far, efficacy is about how powerful I feel to do something. Yeah. How how effective do I feel at solving this problem? Okay. That's, That's a belief that you have about yourself. Okay. Okay. So I can solve this problem. Like he's an idiot, but I can solve this problem. We can still solve this problem. We can solve this problem. 
Yeah. So we need to maybe go to the minus B. the he's an idiot part because we're trying to get away from the negative attributions. I know, but what I'm trying to figure out is if this efficacy expectation is like my own belief in my ability. Yes. Or if it's my belief in our ability to solve the conflict. Well, because I think that's kind of two different things. Yeah, it is, but it's it's important that you believe in your own ability because you as an individual, no matter what, you can learn skills and you can apply those skills, even if your spouse chooses not to. And if you mm. do, it's going to shift the dynamic in your marriage. Yeah, it okay. would be great if you okay. could say it was about our skills, but that's powerlessness again. Okay. So this is actually like my beliefs in yeah. my own ability. Yeah. Okay. If you attribute conflict and problems in your marriage, then to the universal characteristics of your spouse, that this person is hopeless you will have a low level of efficacy expectation, right? Oh, like I can't solve this because he's such a jerk. Yes. So you think your spouse is fundamentally bad in some way and you won't expect to be able to improve things. And again, those are what I'm saying. It's very disempowered, right? Yeah. You cannot change the marriage because your spouse is and you insert whatever character attribute there is messing everything up. But if you choose to believe that you can learn new conflict resolution and communication skills, then you're empowering yourself to solve problems, which increases your efficacy expectation. And the research shows that a higher level of efficacy expectation will mean that negative attributions do not impact your marriage satisfaction. It mediates the link between attributions and satisfaction. Okay, I get that. That's good. Yes. So learning those skills, employing those skills, believing that you have them helps. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Now, trust in each other comes into this as well. So a study from 2004, look at 75 couples. They rated their levels of trust in each other and their attributions of each other's motives. And they were then observed discussing a conflict point. Now, two years later, those same couples were again assessed for levels of trust and attributions. And they found a cyclical link between partner enhancing attributions and levels of trust. Okay, a partner, what does that mean? A partner enhancing attribution is attributing your spouse's actions to positive motivations. Okay. Like seeing it as a a good thing. Good. Okay. And levels of trust. So trusting your spouse causes you to attribute more positive reasons to their actions. Yeah, that makes sense. And to see them as more positive overall. Yeah. Those positive attributions further increase your willingness to trust in them. Oh. This is a cyclical dependency. Okay. Like a cycle. Yes. Okay. And again, this is where the fundamental attribution error throws you off is because you will discount and discard what is actually trustworthy and appreciable about your spouse's actions. So you kind of need to to get in front of yourself, in front of the error here. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to turn your your ship around into a positive direction and look for those moments where they're being authentic and doing trustworthy things and giving them that, like assigning that credit where it's due. Okay. Yeah. And this will help create that upward positive positive spiral. Yeah. And then another tactic you can use, uh, employ on yourself is accountability. So again, a study found that people are much less prone to the fundamental attribution error when they're expecting to have to justify their appraisals and attributions to a third party. Oh, interesting. So when, when you know that you're going to have to explain why you formed your attribution, you will take more account of the situational variables uh-huh, and not just uh-huh. say, well, he was a jerk. So you'll make less of those all-encompassing attributions. Hmm. And within marriage, this accountability could be provided through friends or a family member or from a counselor. Mm -hmm. So practically, you could choose someone to hold you accountable for how you interpret your spouse's actions. All this person needs to do is to ask you, can you think of a different way of interpreting that or another way that doesn't assign your spouse's behavior to a negative character flaw? What else might have been going on? Just those kinds of questions that are digging for the circumstances to give you another understanding so you're not using the fundamental attribution error. Right. That's just being more conscious, like thinking consciously about it. Yes. 
So that you can ask someone to hold you accountable for that. Someone you talk to about your spouse when you're looking for help. Right. Now, this is awesome as well. And of course, it's challenging to find the right kind of friend who won't just commiserate with you. Yeah. Oh, he is a jerk. Yes. Uh. And that's where a qualified marriage counselor can be a big help. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind for that. So that is why you keep misinterpreting your spouse. It's the whole attributions issue that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Like you see everything through a certain lens. Big time, right. Rudd. But you can change that lens. Yes. Yes, I do this all the time in marriage therapy is helping people get out of this. That's neat. That and, is neat. And and it's really neat when you're doing it too, because often you get to the spot where it's like, have you ever heard them say that before? Because the spouse has said something new because yeah. they're, they're using different words or else. Oh. Um, actually, let me come at that slight different. There's a more common situation, which is one spouse will say, I never saw that before. I didn't know you were experiencing that. Hmm. It's because they've always been dropping him in this one bucket, right? Right. And when we get everybody to step back from the buckets and take a deep breath, then we can understand what's going on and find a better way to do this and move on. Huh. Neat. That's cool. Okay. Let's wrap this puppy up. Okay. Thank you to those of you who became patrons between this recording and our previous one, Stephen, and also Shamika. So thank you to each one of you who support us so faithfully. We appreciate it immensely. Next week, Caleb. Next week, uh, we're talking about how pornography impacts marriage. Okay. And I'm putting this that one out there because I've been surprised at the number of people lately that think pornography can be a marital aid, or even some addicts who think it's not a big deal and not something their spouse needs to freak out about. Okay. So it's going to be a reality check, that episode. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Before you sign off for Linda, we, should, yeah. uh, we do like to throw in this disclaimer every once in a while, just for folks that are listening. Okay. So since our podcast can be subscribed to and accessed all over the world... Please remember that it is a self-help tool. It does not replace individual counseling, nor does it represent an attempt to solicit clients from jurisdictions where I do not have the legal ability to practice. And further, our shows are not intended for those experiencing severe symptoms such as suicidal thoughts, for which you should seek emergency help right away. Yes. Well, that is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 162. Find out how you can help support Only You Forever. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.